listen to this show, you know that I am a dog fanatic. If you love dogs as well and you want the best for your dog, be sure to check out dogpodcastnetwork.com. Again, that's dogpodcastnetwork.com. They currently have three fantastic shows, A Long Leash with James Jacobson, Dog Edition, and Dog Cancer Answers. So be sure to check them out at dogpodcastnetwork.com. Are you ready for a podcast on healthy living that isn't about having six-pack abs? A podcast for the rest of us. A show for everyone, for people of all shapes and sizes who just want the best information about living their best life. Join host Lisa Davis, MPH, for Health Power. So recently I started taking a probiotic. Now I've taken them off and on over the years, but I've been really diligent about it. And I was so proud of myself. And then I read the book by the incredible William Davis, MD, Supergut, a four-week plan to reprogram your microbiome, restore health and lose weight. And I realized that, yeah, it's great, but there is so much more going on and so much more that we need to know. So I am so excited to have the wonderful Dr. William Davis. Dr. William Davis is a cardiologist, author, and health crusader. He has connected the dots between gut health and common modern ailments and complaints. And in his latest book that we're talking about today, Super Gut, he shows you what you can do in four weeks. I love that to restore health and address multiple health conditions. Dr. Davis, welcome back to Health Power. Thank you, Lisa. Thanks for the invitation. Well, it's so good to have you on. The book is absolutely fabulous. I, I love in the book you write, I wanted to discover ways to put the power of the healthy microbiome to work beyond the usual, take a probiotic and get plenty of fiber. I wanted to address not just people's residual health problems, but also the way they could supercharge their health to reach new heights of day-to-day functioning. And you really do that. So talk to us about this and, and how you realize like, wait a second, there's a lot more going on here. You know, Lisa, so for years we did this, all the strategies in the wheat belly and then undoctored lifestyles, that is yeah. elimination of wheat and grains, this thing created by agribusiness and uh, addressing the nutrients that are commonly deficient in modern people uh, like magnesium and omega-3 fatty acids and vitamin D that all address, by the way, insulin resistance, which is uh, epidemic now. <clears throat> well, people did experience wonderful things like They'd say things like, I lost 73 pounds, I'm no longer a type 2 diabetic, I'm off my metformin and insulin, my autoimmune disease is much better, but there were still some residual issues. For instance, some would say, I'd lost 73 pounds, yeah, but I still have 30 more to go, and I'm stuck. Or my blood sugar has come down, I'm off the insulin, but it's not perfect. It's still, maybe my fasting blood sugar is 107, and it should be below 90, really. Or why hemoglobin A1C has dropped from a terrible 12.0% down to 5.7%. Much better, dramatically better, but not perfect. Perfect would be 5.0% or less. And so I, I asked, well, why? What, what's keeping these people from getting 100% restoration of, of perfect health? So I looked at the microbiome for solutions, even though part of the basic program was a high-potency multi-species probiotic prebiotic fibers, fermented foods. Despite all that, people got stuck. Well, I looked again to the microbiome for answers, and Lisa, I found astounding answers that are extremely powerful, that took, uh, continue to take many people back 100%. To full health. I think we all know that this modern way of living has done a number on so much of our health, but especially if we're looking at the microbiome. All the things we've been exposed to as modern people, especially antibiotics. So it's every year, Lisa, every year, 
800 prescriptions are written for every 1,000 Americans. 800 oh per 1,000. It's astounding how reliant we become on antibiotics. And the majority of antibiotics are inappropriate. Those prescriptions are inappropriate. That is, they're prescribed for like viral illnesses for which antibiotics have no benefit whatsoever. And so what, one of the species that's highly susceptible, there are many species, beneficial species to humans are highly susceptible to these antibiotics. One of them is Lactobacillus reuteri, R-E-U-T-E-R-I, named after the German uh, microbiologist who discovered it in 1962, Dr. Gerhard Reuter. And in 1960, when he studied this, he found it in most people. He studied the, the stool of most people, and everybody had Lactobacillus reuteri. That remains true, by the way, in indigenous populations, like you know the people who are hunter-gatherers and don't take antibiotics and don't have other factors in their lives that disrupt the microbiome. They all have reuteri, as do squirrels, chickens, raccoons, and other creatures. But we have lost it. Over 90% of modern humans have lost it. So what happens when you restore this one microbe? There's many microbes we can, we can restore with magnificent effects. But this one, if you restore it, spectacular things happen. One of the effects is that, and this is from uh, research in your neighborhood, MIT, they showed that res restoration of lactobacillus reuteri boosts the release of oxytocin from the brain. Oxytocin, the hormone of love and empathy. So people who do this say things like, you know, I, I, I like my spouse better. I like my family better. They don't annoy me as much. I like my coworkers better. I like strangers don't annoy me. I understand other people's points of view better. But there's also wonderful physical effects in addition to those oxytocin, emotional and social effects. So the ladies go berserk because they hear <clears throat> that there's an increase in dermal collagen and they start to lose their wrinkles in about eight weeks or so. There's also a restoration of youthful muscle and strength. You know, we lose about a third of our muscle uh, over the years as we age. It comes back. There's preservation of bone density. Good human data on that one. There's a suppression of appetite. You're no longer tempted by junk food. Uh, I'm a chronic insomniac until I replaced oxy uh, the rotary. I now sleep nine hours every night straight through vivid dreams, vivid, colorful dreams. Um, there's a boost in the immune system. Now, Lisa, that's one microbe. Now, the way we do this, though, is you can get the microbe. In this case, with Rotary, you can get it as a commercial product uh, called uh, BioGaia Gastrus, G-A-S-T-R-U-S. But that product was made for babies. So the count is very low. And that, one, that was what motivated me several years ago to make yogurt out of it. It's not really yogurt. It's a way to boost bacterial counts. So the tablet contains 100 million of two strains of rotorite. 100 million sounds like a lot. But in bacteria, it's almost nothing. It's enough for a baby. And when a baby gets it, it reduces regurgitation of breast milk or formula, less colic. So not, very, not interesting, but not that interesting right? for adults. I cultivated it via yogurt using extended fermentation. One of the things to know about, people say, oh, can I do this with yogurt from the store? No, no. The stuff in the store is garbage. <laughs> One, it's uh, it's um, fermented for four hours. Now, rotary, 
microbes don't have sexual reproduction. They don't. There's no mommy and daddy microbes. They just double asexual reproduction. One becomes two, two becomes four. Well, Ruinerite does that every three hours. Well, if you did, if you followed the lead of commercial yogurt production, where they ferment for four hours, you got nothing. So we ferment for 36 hours, allowing the microbe to double 12 times. We did something called flow cytometry on the yogurt to count the number of microbes. We get something like 250, 260 billion microbes per half cup serving. We eat this yogurt, and that's where you get all these spectacular effects. So part of this, not just the species and strain, but also the number of microbes, because we, we have trillions in our GI tracts. And if you just take a few hundred million, it sounds like a lot, but it's really nothing compared to the... Uh, it's like a grain of sand on a beach. You have to have a much bigger number to have an effect. Now, is this something that I can get, listeners can get? Do you sell this yogurt, Dr. Davis? Where do we Where do we sign <laughs> no, up? No, I don't sell the yogurt. Darn it. <laughs> but people can buy it. It's widely available. It's from this Swedish company called BioGaia, B-I-O-G-A-I-A. The American distributor is called Everitis, E-V-E-R-I-D-I-S, <laughs> uh, like $24, $28, something like that. Now, here's here's something. So uh, there's something called strain specificity in bacteria. That is, so you, you and your listeners have E. coli, for instance, in your, in your guts. I have E. coli. We all have E. coli. But if you eat lettuce contaminated by E. coli, by cow manure, you can die of E. coli. So same species, E. coli, different strain. So you have to pay attention to strain as, as tedious as this may seem. So the strain that comes from that product, the gastrous product, is the one that we know works. But I'll tell you something, that I, I have eight different strains of rotorite. I get them from the people who make these things. They're not commercially available. And I'll tell you, all eight do this. In fact, I think there's strains that are better at it than the original strain. But it, unfortunately, you can't get it. I get this from a manufacturer, from manufacturers, uh, we will try to find a way to get this to people. We have an animal trial coming. We're going to compare different strains of rotary and see if one's better than any other. We have several human trials planned to explore this better. Because Lisa, now this is just one microbe, rotary. But, you know, we're restoring, by this one microbe, restoring this microbe that most people have lost restores oxytocin, the hormone of love, empathy, and understanding at a time, pre-pandemic, of record-setting social isolation, divorce, suicide, 35% increase, putting aside the pandemic, 35% increase in suicide since 2005. Could we have stumbled on at least a partial solution? There's, there's other issues here, of course. But could we have stumbled on at least part of the solution to the increasing hate, uh, social isolation, suicide, etc., by restoring a microbe that all humans are supposed to have. Oh, I would say 100%. I mean, I have been and reading more and more about the effect of having a healthy microbiome and how that affects your mental health and your wellness and your outlook and your positivity and your mood. If you can expand on that for us. Very good point, Lee. That's right. The internal dialogue you conduct with yourself is heavily influenced by what the microbes are telling you to say. And I think it could make the difference between being happy in your relationships uh, with other people, in your day-to-day -day internal dialogue, 
or taking an AR-15 to a church and shooting up the worshipers. I think it's that stark a difference. And you'll see it, by the way, and one of the ways to illustrate this is, so uh, um, in addition to losing healthy microbes like lactobacillus reuteri and many others, in their place, unhealthy microbes have taken their place. And these are largely stool microbes like E. coli, Shigella, Klebsiella, Citrobacter, etc. And they have proliferated. And the scary thing, Lisa, is that they have ascended up the GI tract into the ileum, jejunum, duodenum, stomach, 24 feet above the colon. And that, by my estimation, easily, we could justify easily that 100 million people have this, one in three Americans. I think it's actually worse than that. That's a conservative estimate. And by the way, we now have a, a device, a modern device. It's only been out a couple of years. Oh. People don't have to get it, but you can get it and prove to yourself. It's called the AIR device, A-I-R-E. I have no relationship with the company. It's a cool device. It's like finger stick blood sugar uh, checking for diabetics. It changed how diabetes is managed. This, the air device to gauge hydrogen gas, and now methane, by the way, the newest device that came out this week, <laughs> actually measures methane also. Gas is produced by microbes, <clears throat> and you can use this very simple device. It talks to your smartphone, and it helps you map out where bacteria are located. Are they only in the colon, or are they way up high, all 30 feet of the GI tract? And when that happens, by the way, so, so 30 feet, trillions of microbes, trillions. Now, they only live for minutes to hours. They don't live, you know, 70 years. They live minutes to hours. Well, if you have trillions of creatures living and dying in your GI tract, 30 feet, and by the way, the small bowel has a very fragile single-layer mucus barrier against these things, while the colon, where bacteria are supposed to be, has a two-layer mucus barrier, much more resistant. So when these microbes climb up 30 feet, trillions of them, when they die, a lot of their breakdown products enter the bloodstream. Now, this is a revolutionary discovery validated by a Belgian group in 2007. This is called endotoxemia, where bacterial breakdown products enter the bloodstream, but it explains now, once and for all, how microbes in the GI tract can be experienced as rosacea or psoriasis on the skin, or as Alzheimer's dementia, or Parkinson's disease, or as depression in the brain, or as the joint swelling and pain of fibromyalgia or rheumatoid arthritis. In fact, Lisa, I would say virtually all modern chronic diseases need to be re-examined in light of this finding because this is called SIBO, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, and endotoxemia, means we have to re-examine all these conditions in light of this phenomenon, because if all you do is give some drug that blocks an inflammatory pathway, you have done nothing for the cause. And if you don't correct the cause, bad things are going to happen. That's what's happening to modern people. If you take something like naproxen for your fibromyalgia, you take a biologic agent for your, and of course it has terrible side effects and extreme costs, but you didn't address the microbiome. Well, you're asking for autoimmune diseases, neurodegenerative diseases, ulcerative colitis, Crohn's disease, diverticular disease, colon cancer, obesity, weight gain, type 2 diabetes. In other words, it is foolhardy to ignore this process. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's just mind-blowing. And it's interesting because that was what I was going to bring up. The idea that these things can, would you say they can be reversed once you address your microbiome? Biome, or will pe- some people maybe still have an autoimmune disease, but the symptoms will lessen? If you can kind of touch on that for us, like, can we get cured, I guess I'm trying to ask? You can. Sadly, Lisa, you know this. If you go to the doctor, oh, doctor don't will even say, get me started. <laughs> You know, especially in your area, in Boston, the the uh, stronghold of conventional medicine and pharmaceuticals. You go to the doctor, uh, the, the the primary care doctor, and you say, and you say something like, "Hey, I think I have SIBO because I have uh, rheumatoid arthritis, or I have rosacea, or I'm depressed, or something." Like-. The doctor says, "No, you don't. There's nothing wrong with you. Don't waste my time. That's stupid. Did you consult Doctor Google? Because the science is so new." The conventionally trained doctor whose training was probably 10, 20, 30 years ago did not receive this training, even though the science is overwhelming. You go to the gastroenterologist. He says, or he might say, don't waste my time. That's stupid. There's no such thing, which is shocking. The science is quite uh, uh, vigorous. Uh, Or more likely, he says, we're going to schedule you for endoscopy and colonoscopy. Ka-ching, ka-ching, ka-ching. Good news, Lisa, you don't have stomach cancer or ulcer. You don't have colon cancer. Goodbye. You say, wait a minute. I came in with a question about SIBO. He says, don't waste my time. It's stupid. At the very most, the best informed gastroenterologist will say, here's a prescription for rifaximin or zyfaxin. It's an antibiotic. It's not very effective. It's 40 to 60% effective in wiping out the organisms that cause SIBO. Doesn't tell you how you got it. Doesn't tell you how to prevent recurrences, which are the rule. And so the conventional answers are kind of miserable, if they even have answers. You can take herbal antibiotics, which I was very skeptical about, but there is some science behind them. There's two uh, regimens that have been proven to work, the candibactin regimen and the uh, FC-style dysbiocide regimen. But let me tell you about a preliminary experience that we've been having in about 30 people. So it's not absolute, and we haven't performed a clinical trial yet. But it's so if you take a conventional commercial probiotic for SIBO, so 30 feet of microbes in your GI tract, if you take a conventional probiotic, will it get rid of the SIBO? No. <laughs> it might reduce the bloating and diarrhea a little bit, but it will not eliminate this, this situation. So I asked a different set of questions. I asked, what if we chose species that take up residence in the upper? GI tract where SIBO occurs and choose species that produce what are called bactericins. These are natural antibiotics effective against the species of SIBO, like E. coli. So I picked three. I picked the spe- a strain of Lactobacillus gasseri, uh, strains of Lactobacillus ruderi, and Bacillus coagulans. We make a yogurt to increase the numbers of bacteria ferment for 36 hours. It's delicious, by the way. Have it with some blueberries. And so far, out of 30 people who've done this, 90% have reversed their hydrogen gas measures on the air device. Oh, wow. So I think we're on to that's, that's That's an informal experience. But so far, it's been so reliable. Not foolproof, not 100%, but nothing in SIBO is 100%. Even the conventional antibiotic, Rifaximin, is only 40 to 60% effective. So we're on to something like 90% effective 
in a preliminary experience. I'm very hopeful this will continue. And it's just yogurt, Lisa. It's just yogurt. And it's a much softer, easier way to do it. So you're saying that the traditional allopathic doctors, many of them, don't believe in SIBO? Or they don't believe that you can treat it in the ways that you talk about? Or is it both? Well, you know, Lisa, wouldn't it be nice if your doctor, John Q. Primary Care, was an expert in nutrition? It would be fabulous. was an expert in in uh, addressing uh, missing nutrients in your life. And it was an expert in the microbiome. Fat chance. Doesn't happen. I'm talking about mainstream MDs. I'm not talking. There are very wonderful naturopaths, chiropractors, functional medicine doctors. So I'm, I'm, I'm talking about the mainstream MDs, like the kind that dominate in your <laughs> neck of the woods. <laughs> and they, yeah, many of them will say, because... This, this is going to sound terribly cynical. Medical education is largely delivered by good-looking people in miniskirts and three-piece suits. Yep. Pharmaceutical industries. You know, I, I did the same thing. I grew up as a very poor kid in New Jersey. And when I finally graduated and did all my training, 17 years of education and training, I was broke, owed $130,000 for student loans. This was back 30 years ago. So that was a lot of money back then and still is. Yes. Well, when you're, I'm in the cath lab doing my procedures, and when a good-looking sales rep, and this is for the medical device industry, comes in with a miniskirt and uh, all dolled up, you know, it, I, I feel like a schmuck now thinking back, but, you know, they say, Dr. Davis, you know, we regard you as a key thought leader in your field. Want to come to dinner? Want to go to an all-expense-paid meeting in Orlando? Of course. Oh, yes. Of course, it took only a short time to see through this nonsense, but that is how they influence the thinking of doctors because if if the science on SIBO is only a few years old and your training finished in 1998, you won't know anything about it. And cert- and because Big Pharma does not have a big role in this conversation, I don't even know this, Lisa, but uh, those of, people like you and me are no longer welcome on major media, broadcast media, cable and print media because of the ex, the uh, extreme influence of the pharmaceutical industry in running direct consumer drug advertising. So if, watch 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 morning news. You'll never you will not see any book authors or other people talking about health or nutrition anymore because big pharma doesn't like it. They bar people like you and me because we say things like you don't really need pharmaceuticals for your type 2 diabetes or obesity or rheumatoid arthritis, you can actually address it naturally with tremendous success at virtually no cost. Well, that's the last thing Big Pharma wants to hear, so they bar people. It's also happening, by the way, online, where a lot of my friends who talk about nutrition are now barred from Twitter, Facebook, etc., because they say things like, hey, you you can achieve great things with nutrition, but that's not allowed anymore. You've probably heard how important it is to take probiotics, and trust me, you don't want to take just any. You want to take one that is backed by science, and the probiotic that my family and I take is Omnibiotic. These are targeted probiotics. They've got a highly effective powder delivery mechanism. They're clinically tested health benefits. They're vegan and hypoallergenic, and they're a leading European product. Let's get them to be a leading product in America. Omnibiotics' unique powder delivery mechanism ensures that 83% of good bacteria reach the desired area of the gut compared to an average of 7% 
in top U.S. probiotic capsule brands. So my family and I use Omnibiotic Stress Release. Now, this is a psychobiotic formulation designed to support the gut-brain axis. And what that means is that this is looking at, at memory, cognition, improving your mood. And I'll just tell you, I saw an improvement in my mood and my daughter saw improvement in her mood and also a reduction in anxiety. And that is huge. When you can do something natural to help your brain, I love that. Not only is Omnibiotic incredible, you will get 15% off when you order through their website, www.omnibioticlife.com. Just use the code Lisa Davis 15. Check them out. Get Omnibiotic today. I'm telling you, it is a game changer. You want to go to www.omnibioticlife.com. That's O-M-N-I-B-I-O-T-I-C-L-I-F-E.com. This is so exciting. Yeah, it's so tragic. You know, I mean, I look at our healthcare system and I have a master's in public health and health education and health communications. And, you know, it's like, it's not about prevention anymore. You know, we wait till everybody's sick. Uh, But I do think that it's tremendously tragic how we turn to medication all the time first. Where do you stand on that? Well, you know, Lisa, this is why what you're doing in your podcast is so critical. Because if you can't rely on ABC, NBC, CBS, and all other major media outlets anymore to tell you the full story... It's got to come through. It's got to come through podcasts, blogs, documentaries. Somebody's got to get this message out so that we don't end up with four thousand dollars a month in pharmaceuticals, which is ridiculous, of course. Yes. Yeah. There's incredible overuse. You're right. There's a time if you have pneumococcal pneumonia and you can't breathe and your temperature is 104, you need an antibiotic. So thank goodness there there these kinds of things. If you have schizophrenia, there are pharmaceutical, not solutions, but ways to blunt the effect. So there, there's a time and place for those things. Unfortunately, they have crept into all our lives in so many ways. And the doctors are, one of the problems with my colleagues is the way the system is, and this is worse in the U.S. more than any other uh, country on the planet, is there's what I call willful ignorance. That is, if you're like my field, cardiology, if you get paid thousands of dollars every day to do heart catheterizations, implant stents, do angioplasty, uh, put in a defibrillator, uh, or educate people on health and nutrition, for which you get paid only a little bit, a few hundred dollars barely covers your overhead, you're going to choose to do the procedures you may even make fun of and not choose to learn about those natural methods. And so there's willful ignorance. So you you know you'd think the doctors would be experts in health and nutrition. They're not. They're incredibly ignorant by choice. And so if you say to the doctor, so, you know something as fundamental and simple as vitamin D, if you go to your doctor and say, "Doc, could you check my vitamin D?" They may say, "You don't need it. It's stupid. Don't waste my time." Or they check it and your level comes out at, let's say, 32 milligrams uh, nanograms per milliliter, which is very low, they say, oh, you're fine. Yes, those ranges are ridiculous, right? Talk to us about that. Well, so let's let's say, here, here's an easy example. You and I want to know what a woman should weigh, right? Common question. So you and I go to the nearest mall with a scale, and we ask ladies to volunteer, a thousand ladies. We're going to weigh you, right? And we say, okay, we've weighed a thousand ladies, and the average weight 
is 186 pounds plus or minus two standard deviations, 25 pounds. That, by the way, is true. <laughs> so now, now we say the average woman should weigh 186 pounds. This is absurd. Completely. Because, in other words, if we test a diseased or unhealthy population to derive the normal or reference range, they say, you're going to get a very flawed perspective. So if we take, let's say we measure the vitamin D blood levels in people in Boston, which is a northern latitude, people work indoors, they wear clothes when they go outside, thereby covering large portion of surface area of the skin and exposure to the sun. And of course, if you did that in January, you'd freeze to death. <laughs> so <laughs> in other words, people in Boston are terribly deficient in vitamin D. But if we measure 1,000 people in January, their blood vitamin D, we would say, oh, the average vitamin D level here is 17 nanograms per milliliter. So the normal range is 17 plus or minus maybe 10 or so. Well, that's absurd because we're measuring a, a population. And so that's how labs derive their normal or reference ranges. It's a deeply, what they didn't ask is what's the ideal level of 25-hydroxy vitamin D? And you can answer that question by looking at things like how well is uh, uh, our infl inflammatory measures suppressed, something called parathyroid hormone. When you have lack of vitamin D, your parathyroid hormone responds by increasing the PTH hormone to take calcium out of your bones. So at what level of 25-hydroxy vitamin D, that's the blood test for vitamin D, is PTH maximally suppressed? It's around 55. So if the lab asks questions like that, what is the optimal range? They would tell you something like, oh, it's probably above 50, maybe even 60 nanograms per milliliter. Not the 30, not the 20 they used to tell us. They raise it to 30. But that's because they're looking at population averages in a diseased, unhealthy population. Very common in modern medicine. You know, all it takes is three days of uh, too much sugar and carbs to change your microbiome sufficient to give you irritable bowel syndrome, IBS. So let's say you go on a all-expense-paid, you know, uh, all-inclusive vacation in Mexico and you have too many margaritas. <laughs> that's enough to give you irritable bowel syndrome, dramatically shift your microbiome, that, that then in turn leads to other health issues. So something as benign and common as irritable bowel syndrome, which, by the way, affects 60 to 70 million Americans. We're not talking about this rare thing. We're talking about like every one in four or five people have this condition. It doesn't end there. IBS over time leads to autoimmune diseases, leads to neurodegenerative diseases, leads to weight gain, leads to type 2 diabetes and fatty liver. So it cascades into numerous other health conditions. Uh, but the wonderful thing is, even though your doctor may be incredibly ignorant on what's going on, you don't have to be. That's one of the great things about the microbiome, Lisa. It's something that your listeners can take control over, even if the doctor is ignorant. The tools are getting much better. So, for instance, that SIBO yogurt I talked about is an incredible, I think, will become an incredibly powerful tool. Cultivating microbes. People sometimes say, oh, no, you too many microbes. <clears throat> so what I tell them is, think about going to a restaurant. You go to a restaurant, waitress hands you a, a menu. You don't freak out and say, there's no way I can order all these appetizers and main dishes and desserts. You just pick and choose the ones you want. Well, you can do the same thing here. <clears throat> That's amazing. 
you can choose lactobacillus roteri if you want smoother skin, increased uh, restoration of youthful muscle, liking other people better. What if you want a smaller waist? Let's let's ferment lactobacillus gasseri. What if you're an athlete and want to recover faster for your competition or training? Ferment bacillus coagulants. If you have a child, a baby, and you want it to sleep for the night, have fewer bowel movements, so you have fewer diaper changes, less colic, and as a grown child, older child, less asthma, less autoimmune diseases, and have higher intelligence, higher IQ. Let's ferment Bifidobacter infantis. So you can pick and choose the microbe for the effect you want, just like ordering off the menu at a restaurant. Now, is it easy for people to do that? Can they do this themselves? Can they make the yogurt themselves? And, and how do they, where do they get these specific strains? Or is this something you have to leave to the, leave to the experts? You know, I laugh when I see uh, things like, talk to your doctor about taking, you know, fish oil or vitamin D. The doctor doesn't know. They have no idea. They'll say stupid things like, stop everything, which is ridiculous. You get omega-3 fatty acids from eating fish. You get vitamin D from being on the beach on the, in the sun. Why would you stop it? And so, yes, people can get these microbes um, and ferment them. So as we talked about, commercial probiotics are not very good right now. They're going to get better. Because commercial probiotics, for the most part, are crafted in a very haphazard way. Let's throw in this microbe. Let's throw in that microbe. Let's throw in a little bit of this. Often the strain is not even mentioned. So if you don't know the strain, you don't know if it works. So, for instance, there's a strain of lactobacillus rhamnosus called the GG strain. And there's very good evidence that if you took an antibiotic and you had diarrhea, lactobacillus rhamnosus GG strain will shorten the duration of your diarrhea and help you restore a healthy microbiome. Well, if you buy a commercial probiotic, maybe you pay a lot of money for it too, 60 bucks, 70 bucks for a you know month or two supply. And it says lactobacillus rhamnosus, no strain specified. They probably didn't pay for the GG more costly strain. They just got it off the shelf. So it likely does not work. So modern commercial probiotics often fail to specify strain, so you don't know if it works or not. They don't uh, incorporate something called collaborative or guild effects. Microbes are like humans. We don't all live in isolation. You live in a family, a group, a community. Microbes are the same. They collaborate. They, They coordinate with each other. And it's much more powerful. But the only commercial probiotic I know of that does this, by the way, is a company called BiotaQuest. My my microbiologist friend, Dr. Raul Cano. Uh, I have no relationship except they're good people. Martha Carlin and, and Raul Cano have cr- created a company called BiotaQuest. They have incorporated guild or consortium effects. And there's one product called Sugar Shift. It reduces blood sugar. And so what I love about this world, Lisa, is some of these products, some of these uh, preparations are starting to have <clears throat> extremely potent effects. I mean, we're talking about reducing blood sugar, smoothing your skin, building muscle, <laughs> deeper sleep. Uh, and these, you know, unlike drugs, pharmaceuticals, pharmaceuticals come with not just a, a ridiculous price tag, but also a long list of side effects, often substantial. You know, common drugs, common is ibuprofen. I, I've lost count of the number of people I put on dialysis 
from ibuprofen or had red blood thrown up at me from hemorrhage, stomach hemorrhage, or black tarry stools from lower intestinal hemorrhage from ibuprofen. So even benign drugs have very significant side effects. Well, we're talking about a way of restoring health that doesn't have side effects. They have side benefits. Like happier thoughts, smoother skin, (laughs) reduced blood sugar. So I think it's going to be a new world. I have no relation to this company, but I've noticed a difference in my skin, in my mood, in everything. Omnibiotic, they have a lot of research. They list the strains. They are really, and I see a difference in my daughter as well. And uh, for people listening to the show, she has some learning differences and her she can be kind of moody. And I've seen and her mood has improved. So Wonderful. check it out. I'd love to hear your opinion, but I'm a huge fan of Omnibiotic. Good to know. I've not heard of it. That's good. To, so, so you're right. It's starting to change. They're getting smarter in how they craft these products. So I think, and they're listening too, by the way. So they're starting to list strains. They're starting to investigate this idea of consortia or guilds of collaboration among microbes. Also restoring what are called keystone species. These are kind of foundational species like plankton in the ocean. Plankton, these little tiny creatures that float in the ocean consumed by filter feeders like whales and and jellyfish. If you had no plankton, you ain't got any jellyfish or whales. So same kind of principle applies to microbiome. There are keystone species so important for other species, and they they need to include keystone species, and that's now happening in in some some products. You know, it's so nice. So in your book, Super Gut, a four-week plan to reprogram your microbiome, restore health, and lose weight. I don't want to give it all away, but talk to us a little bit about this four-week plan. Just give us little tidbits here and there about what we'll be doing. So very simple, Lisa. I, I view the microbiome, that is the collection of microbes in your GI tract, as like a, a spring garden in your backyard. So let's say you want to have a garden. Your climate's a lot like mine in Wisconsin. So you, you lay out maybe a 10 by 10 plot. You're going to prepare the soil. You're going to pick out the stones and the twigs and the weeds. You're going to plant seeds, maybe for cucumbers and tomatoes and zucchini. And then through the growing season, you water and fertilize your garden. And at the end of the growing season, you've got a bounty of good veggies. Same thing happens in the microbiome. We're going to uh, prepare the soil. We take away the things that disrupt it, such as uh, chlorinated drinking water, uh, minimize your exposure to antibiotics, herbicide and pesticide residues in food. Choose organic whenever possible. Avoid GMO, of course, because it's loaded with glyphosate and BT toxin, both of which have massive effects on your microbiome. Glyphosate, by the way, is an herbicide, but it's also an antibiotic. And we all have it. We all have glyphosate in our skin, hair, GI tracts, urine, blood, etc., because it's so ridiculously overused. Um, and other factors, food additives like polysorbate 80 and carboxymethylcellulose, emulsifying agents, salad dressing, and ice cream. We return to real food untainted by modern food production. We go back to avocados and lettuce and, and organic, real food whenever possible, not foods that are processed and have a long list of ingredients. So that's preparing the soil. Then we reseed. Now, the most important way to seed your microbiome is fermented foods. This thing we've all forgotten about because in 1927, Frigidaire came out with affordable home refrigeration and the use of Freon as a refrigerant. And we all forgot, even though your great-grandmother 
would say, Lisa, aren't you fermenting your veggies and your meats and your eggs? <laughs> so we need to return it because those provide crucial microbes that restore healthy mi like Leuconostoc mesenteroides and pediococcus. Very, very important. So fermented foods, top of the list for reseeding your microbiome. Second, probiotics. People often think probiotics are the thing, none of them not. Now, that may change, as you point out. As the products get better and incorporate all those issues, uh, guild effects, keystone species, etc., they will get better. Maybe they take on better, a greater importance. But right now, second. And then lastly, water and fertilize your garden. Those are the things, feeding microbes, the things they want. They want things like prebiotic fibers, polysaccharides, and some other things. And these are the components of things like onions, garlic, uh, shallots, root vegetables, asparagus, leeks, uh, dandelion greens. These are the things microbes want. Because if you don't feed them and you starve them, healthy microbes die off and weird things happen. I see this happen in all the people who unknowingly are on a ketogenic diet, a carnivorous diet, or other low-carb diet where they didn't know about this effect and they're not paying attention to this, this, this issue. And what happens is healthy microbes die off or are depressed in numbers. And there are species like Acromantia that have the ability to feed on human mucus, the mucus that lines your GI tract. So Acromantia's full name is Acromantia mucinophila, mucus lover. So when you don't feed them, Acromantia can proliferate because it can feed on human mucus better than other microbes and it starts to eat you. It erodes the mucus barrier. It causes colitis, like ulcerative colitis, and allows microbial breakdown products to enter your bloodstream. And that sets you up for weight gain, obesity, type 2 diabetes, hypertension, neurodegenerative disorders, autoimmune. So in other words, if you don't feed those guys bad things, and I've seen this happen, by the way, on a broad, widespread basis because people think that the weight loss and other health benefits you get in the upfront period of a ketogenic diet must therefore mean it's good for you long term. It's not. Oh, okay. That's fascinating. So is it because with the ketogenic diet, are is it not getting the, the the prebiotic foods, perhaps, or not eating enough vegetables, or if you're they're just like meat and fat heavy? Like, talk to us about what's going on with that. You know, Lisa. Ironically, despite the dire effects of deprivation of your microbes of prebiotic fibers and related compounds, there's actually a lot of science behind a ketogenic diet. The reason is that a ketogenic diet has been used and still used to treat children with intractable grand mal seizures. So these kids, these poor kids have, you know, 5, 10, 15 seizures a day. And if that happens, it leads to brain damage. And it's it's not unresponsive to drugs, sometimes even procedures. So one of the things that works, and this goes back a century, is a ketogenic diet. And there's about a 50% reduction in seizure frequency. It's not a cure, but it does improve. So what happens to those kids? These are 3-year-olds, 8-year-olds, 14-year-olds put on a ketogenic What happens to those kids? Well, seizure frequency drops by about 50%, and they stop growing. And they develop, these are kids, Lisa, develop osteopenia and osteoporosis. They develop kidney stones. Kids don't get kidney stones, but 8% of these kids develop uh, kidney stones, mostly calcium oxalate as well as urate. Kidney stones. 
They have marked changes in their microbiomes, like we talked about, the increase in acromancia. They have colitis. Uh, and then long-term, they're set up for ulcerative colitis, diverticular disease, and colon cancer. So we know that all these things from the good science that came from these children who, by necessity, put on ketogenic diets. And for some reason, the ketogenic community has chosen to ignore this abundant science that tells us that there's a real problem. Not that you can't be ketogenic safely for a couple of weeks. That's okay. And get all the benefits, weight loss, drop in triglycerides, drop in blood sugar. But if you starve your microbes and your microbiome, that's when things go wrong. Dr. Davis, again, the book, everybody, Super Gut, a four-week plan to reprogram your microbiome, restore health, and lose weight. How do we find out about you and all your wonderful books? Of course, the book. I recently shifted my – I was guilty of having websites and social media for every book. got very confusing and unmanageable. So I took, for instance, my Wheat Belly blog that had 30 million visits. It's now all under one umbrella called Dr. Davis, Dr. Davis, InfiniteHealth.com. Everything should be is, is there. And we, we should mention, Lisa, you're not my daughter. You're not my sister. No. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. This is great. Thank you, Lisa. And continue doing what you're doing. Well, that's it for our show today. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate you. And we would appreciate it if you could please rate and review and leave a comment because the more you engage with our podcast, the more you will find it and help other people find it wherever they listen to their podcast. So be sure to follow us. I'm at Andrea Donsky and at Naturally Savvy and Lisa at Lisa Davis MPH. Thank you so much. And please share this episode because the more you share shows you care. We'll see you next time.